0: Achievement Unlocked, two players, and a podcast now loaded.
1: Welcome back, Dreamers and Flam family. This is Two Peas and a Pod brought to you by General Andrews and... Liberty Flam, And we are sponsored by the 8-Bit Dojo and ESN, where we aim to be selfless, not selfish. Also today with us, our guest, Dr. Mick, will be joining. This is episode 16 of season 4. Do we quantify everything? Hey, hey, Flam, my man! General Andrews, my dude, good to hear you again. How are you? I am doing well, thank you so much. And you know what else is pretty freaking sweet? Oh, what's that? We got another guest... Another guest appearance from the legendary Doctor Mick. Why, hello, good sir,
0: fellas. You talk about how good it is for you to hear each other. I don't. I don't get to hear. I mean, I hear you a lot. I, this is round four, but <laughs> it is it is fabulous for me to hear you. I, I feel like I'm becoming a regular correspondent. This is. It's like the Doctor Mick spot. It feels good.
1: I appreciate you guys bringing me back again. Well, and we're thankful for. Even just that just that right there, what you said, to kind of feel like we have a reliable source for mental health information that is, again, the way that you put it, where you're trying to make sure it's not stuck behind a paywall. It's This is information that everyone needs to know, regardless if you don't feel like you're struggling with your mental health. It's still great information for anyone. My goal is to cast a wide net in the information I
0: provide, because someday someday you might have something that you need to know more about and you will find something in what I've said that will help. So I'm glad to be able to do this and the different angles you guys have taken with having me on, I think is awesome for the listenership if they are benefiting from these and i hope they are so listeners to this podcast you matter and i hope that uh, i know you guys care deeply about these two fabulous fellas but i do hope that my information at some point is
1: meaningful to you even if it's not in this specific in this specific moment excellent you know and we the good thing is we don't have to rely on you being a very good linguist we we can always edit that right. later at some other point yeah, in time you'll know, make that's you sound right. really we'll really good post. we'll get it in post exactly <laughs> Oh my goodness. All right. So today's topic that really spoke to me, because a lot of your content does speak to me, but at the same time, being a busy individual, I'm like, I don't got time for this. So, but every now and then I'm like, whoa, this is something I feel is really important to get across again, because you've already got it out there, right? You're, you're putting it out on TikTok. You're getting it out on YouTube. You're getting it out on Instagram. You, you're you doing a really good job of constantly getting, Oh, Twitter as well. All these different platforms, let alone was already live streamed uh, at the time. I think this at that time it was on YouTube. We can talk about that in a little bit later. Uh, that information, at the same time though, we want to get out to even more people. So I think it's really important that today's topic, do we quantify everything? which was taken from one of the TikToks I had seen of yours uh, based on Cyberpunk 2077, that there was a game show that, cause I haven't played this game before. I've only been watching it through like, for example, like your TikToks, uh, can you kind of catch us up on what was this game show about that brought even up this topic that you started to discuss?
0: So it, I'm trying to I don't know if it was a game show. I don't know that it matters, but it was like a. it was like think of it as being like a Kimmel or Fallon. It was like a uh, like a talk show. And they but it's funny to me that you saw it as a game show because that actually makes sense to me and I will circle back to that in a second because the way that it was presented felt very game showy but it's uh there was a conversation that was happening and I'm gonna forget the topic uh off the top of my head but there was a conversation that was happening where essentially they the host of the channel was asking the viewership to vote on who they thought was correct think of it as like if you ever watch like a CNN debate and they Mm -hmm. have you know two people come on and and they have different viewpoints on the same topic, and they each share their opinion. But then think of it as if they took that and made it like American Idol, and said, "All right, now we're going to take it out to the viewership, and we want you, we want the people watching this to vote on who they think is telling the the, the better truth, so to speak." And essentially, we're quantifying social reinforcement for certain. <laughs> viewpoints and the tiktok kind of went into how that quantification which is something that all of us are subject to at this point because of all the technology and social media that we is ubiquitous with our lives that like that has very real ramifications on our psyche and on how we connect socially and in some ways what we represent and how important the things we represent are perceived to be so that was the It it was presented in a game show way in a context that really should not have been presented in a game show way. So I I like that that is something that a person who isn't playing cyberpunk would pick out of that
1: because it definitely has that vibe. Okay, so it was actually supposed to be more talk show oriented that then interjected this quantification that then, from my perspective, made it feel like a game show. Yep
0: which is which is Whew. perfect it's a it's perfect though that that is the way that you interpreted it because i think that that's by design it, and that is really an extreme form of some of the stuff that we see nowadays and we've gotten into this position of kind of gamifying a lot of things that really don't need to be gamified and just mm-hmm. aren't yeah. appealing to the human brain so your perception of that having not had any context around it is i think indicative of just how powerful that portrayal of that type of thing was because it it gave the vibe that it was supposed to give to you
1: okay wow yep uh, and i'm um, thank you for the explanation as well so people can have a better idea of what we're going to start tackling with this with this whole quantifying everything obviously think of a game show and what, what happens with game shows? Competition. Mm -hmm. now when we are in this instance this this do they have a competition of whose opinion mattered after the vote came through like does that mean the other person doesn't get to talk anymore what kind of transpired from that information before i go ahead and branch off from that
0: we don't know because the uh they kind of like cut to commercial so the way it works for anybody who hasn't played cyberpunk before is when you get into certain elevators or if you're in certain social spaces of the game there are tvs that are playing and The TVs will play news clips, little mini versions of shows, a bunch of advertisements. So what happened was there was this whole segment, which you can see on the TikTok clip that I posted. There's this segment, and then they say, we're going to go to commercial, and then it cuts to commercial. So you don't actually get to see what the outcome of it is, but I can only speculate that whoever got the most votes is probably given some sort of award and also would probably be pitched as being the person who had the better opinion but it would probably be spoken about as being who actually knows the truth or who's closer to the truth which is a really dangerous way to represent that just because it's just because something gets a lot of social reinforcement doesn't mean it's right so the i my speculation would be that that's the direction that it would have gone and that that person would have gotten more airtime or at the very least would have been taken more seriously
1: okay that's i'm glad you talked about the uh, what was that terminology social reinforcement yep okay so social reinforcement I feel like that actually really talks about a lot of the stuff that we're doing on a live streaming platform is that when Mm -hmm. we have a higher viewership day obviously what we're doing is right that day and if we have a lower viewership day well we must not be in the popular opinion of our our peers or our uh, audience therefore okay we're, we're, we're missing the mark dude this is how people
0: end up playing one game that they grow to despise and will continue to play it even when they're tired of it because it's reinforced by by the community that they've cultivated around it like there it's i i really believe that people underestimate the power i mean even in the streaming space streaming space is a great example of this people deeply underestimate just how powerful quantified social reinforcement is. And it can really affect a person's behavior. It can affect a person's decision-making. It can affect a person's boundaries. Like there's all sorts of stuff that happens when people start to see quantified numbers go in a certain direction. And sometimes it is to the detriment of a person's psyche
1: and general baseline mental health it's it's pretty fascinating stuff wow because like some of the things that i know for myself personally i know philip can speak to this uh feel free to talk about some more ryan but at certain thresholds of viewership um you can see that there is certain individuals who only show up to your stream and start talking at those certain intervals if that's a, a number of 60, maybe a number of 120, maybe 250, whatever these numbers may be. But now you are, I think we talked about this in the past in one of our uh, previous episodes, a little bit of FOMO. Mm-hmm. FOMO and this social reinforcement, are are these things kind of linked? Or am I just kind of connecting two dots that don't, don't really go together? No,
0: you can connect those dots. I, I think... So, I think before we dive into this conversation in a more explicit way, whether mm-hmm. as it relates to streaming or whatever, I want to give a little bit of context. Yeah, social please. Reinforcement actually matters because our brain, our, our human mammalian brain, is wired to be attuned to social reinforcement. And sometimes having that evolutionary context can help us make more sense of why things happen in technological spaces the way that they do. So humans, by virtue of being mammals, are relational animals. We are animals that, we're not like great white sharks where they can go off by themselves for years and totally sustain themselves and be fine. Humans need to have other humans around to survive the environment. And in order to really put this in context, you have to think about humans like, thousands of years ago where Mm -hmm. the in order to survive the earth and all the various adversities that come along with it before you have technology to assist in survival the best way to survive is to be involved in and accepted Within a group of humans, because your survivability rate goes up significantly if you are not seen as a threat or problem to the group. So what humans learn to do over small amounts of time and then over long periods of time is you learn through social reinforcement, through the responses of other humans, what allows you to remain in the group, what allows you to excel in the group. And what potentially gets you cast out of the group and humans are wired to avoid as best they can the things that are potentially going to get them cast out of the group, because to be cast out of the group means to all of a sudden have your risk of death go up significantly. So... We also the the converse side of that coin is that when we learn that there is something that will get us the favor of the group, we will want to perpetuate that thing or keep it going because then we get reinforcement that says you're allowed to be a part of this group. We even have an emotional experience that developed in order to try to regulate that which is shame. We understand shame as being fear of being cast out of a group based on a certain behavior or value that a person has. And so when you are con- confronted with something that you think could potentially get the group to disown you, you will have a deep emotional experience that hopefully gets you to course correct on that so that you are pushed back into what the group is needing from you so that you can survive within that group. So I know that that's a bit of a long explanation, but like we have to take that process And then that applies in a very nuanced and evolved way when we start talking about nowadays when we're talking about social reinforcement. So now we have real-time data that we use to decide whether we are loved by the group or whether the group is starting to turn on us. And if you take it in a streamer context in simplistic form, your view count, and your subscriber number are very clear metrics of social reinforcement of whether what you are doing is perceived as ideal by the group. The amount uh, that's why in every piece of social media, you have mechanisms of quantified social infor- reinforcement on Reddit. You have upvotes on Twitter. You have likes mm-hmm. on Facebook. You have what thumbs up on Twitch, you have view count. On YouTube, you have subs. I mean, every single platform has mechanisms of social reinforcement because it is what gets us pulled in. So if you're a viewer and you see something with high social reinforcement and engagement, you're going to be drawn to that because maybe it's something you want to be a part of. If you see something that doesn't have a lot of reinforcement, even if it's really good information, it's not as appealing because it doesn't have the social weight behind it. And so we are really slave to some extent to our own evolutionary biology and need to survive when we're occupying social media space. And our brains have not caught up with the technology. Technology progresses faster than our ability to evolve with it. And so we see all of these very like primal pulls on social media that don't have the level of nuance that
1: the technology itself is able to provide fascinating because that's what it feels like a lot of times is like you'll hear people say oh this person hasn't gotten enough exposure for you know how good the content they they do make and i feel like what you just talked about is some of the the bugaboos or some of the um obstacles that are in front of any really good content creator uh, that just hasn't gotten that shake yet
0: yeah we assume that if a so take like a streaming context we assume that if a person has let's say okay let me back up for a second let's say that there are there are two streamers that essentially do similar things they have similar like values and a similar like core thing that they've built themselves around and you you know you want to call it like mental health you want to call it speed running you know whatever you take any like any topic okay so if i set people in front of a you know two screens and on one screen you have a person who has five thousand concurrent viewers and then you have another person who has 10 concurrent viewers Before you critically think about that space, you are going to assume innately that the person with 5,000 concurrent viewers must have something or be more profound or smarter or in tune than the person with 10. You are inherently going to assume that because you see the social reinforced, 5,000 people can't be wrong, right? Right, right. <laughs> so, so if you have two people doing the same thing and you see that, even just that small quantification, you are more likely to click on the 5,000 because you want to see what's up. You want to see what 5,000 people are engaged with. now. You may be interested in the person with 10. You may click over to that as well. But the th- the thing is, is because of that quantified, I'm going to keep using the word quantified social reinforcement. Yeah, yeah, please. Because of that quantified social reinforcement, you are more likely to give the person with higher concurrent viewership the benefit of the doubt in what they're doing. Even if what that person is doing is egregious relative to whatever their core principle is. So like, let's say the person with 5,000 viewers is a speedrunner but they're using not a very cool technique or like they're they're cheating and you as a speedrunner might be able to pick it up but the general like speedrunning community may not be able to figure it out and so they're doing something that's actually harmful to the speedrunning community and they're getting social reinforcement around it and then you have the other person with 10 viewers who is doing it the right way and is putting their heart and soul in it because they don't have the quantification, they are at a disadvantage relative to the person who's doing wrong. Now, I'm not trying to suggest that anybody who has huge amounts of social reinforcement is doing they're they're doing it wrong like there are really good people out there that have a huge viewership and should have a huge viewership the point of this is less about that and more about the fact that like you as a person who walks into a social space are pre-wired to be oriented in the direction of whatever is getting more social reinforcement. Because from an evolutionary perspective, you're more likely to survive if you can get in and uh, and understand that group of 5,000 people and see what they're excited about. Because that's a bigger group that is more protective of you in a survival circumstance. And I I really wish that there was more conversations about how so much of what happens in the present, it can be linked to like evolutionary biology and psychology and sociology in this case. And so that's really like what we're talking about here when we see these things. And that person, by the way, who's maybe not doing so like all the right things, who has the higher quantified social reinforcement that person is now incentivized to continue doing that because of the fact that they have so much support around it so this is where you'll see people start doing things that are like super unethical or part of a personal agenda even if it's against their own sense like their own sensibilities they'll go against it because there's so much social reinforcement around it and i think about i don't know if either one of you have watched the uh the dropout about the whole theranos thing but like that's a perfect example of it of a, of a person going so far because there's so much reinforcement and expectation built around them that it's almost hard to get out of it because so many people are now counting on you. And now you're worried about being cast out of the group if maybe you let on that you're not doing something entirely correctly. And so then people will double down. And so social, re- social reinforcement is like really the, the ultimate powerful force in terms of the human psyche. And that's why I wanted to go to school to be a systemic therapist instead of somebody who just thinks individually about things. Ooh,
1: okay, very cool. Because like some of the things that you're describing, it's so funny. is my brain immediately went to uh, ideas of like the show, the TV show uh, Survivor. Yeah. Right. You wanted wanted to be good, but not so good, at least outwardly in the public eye, where you became a target now because Because of when when
0: people get so this is where, oh, man. okay, so this 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 is where all this gets fascinating. This is where people get threatened by competence. Because there's a certain threshold where when a person shows themselves to be particularly competent, it can also highlight the viewer's incompetence. So if you take something like Survivor, for example, somebody shows themselves to be super competent, that all of a sudden becomes a threat <laughs> because now I know that I am at – I my – ability to survive in this group is threatened by your competence thus i want to get you out of here so that i can save face basically make my competence like more okay relative to the group like outliers become super threatening in that way so that's where you will see that like groups will turn on people who are competent and are are really probably who should be delivering information and teaching and all these sorts of things because they are brought closer to their own sense of incompetence and i think that's why there's a whole movement of anti-intellectualism that's happened over the last several years because people perceive experts and people who know what they're talking about who are competent in various areas to be threatening for reasons that they probably don't innately understand, but likely have to do with a a sense of their own incompetence and the fact that incompetence generally is not socially reinforced. I'm if I want to look for a speedrunner, I'm not going to watch a person on Twitch who totally sucks at speedrunning, right? Like we we right, are innately right. polled to wanting to watch the best of the best. It's why people are drawn to the Olympics. It's why people are drawn to professional sports. It's why minor league sports, even though they're very high level, don't draw as much as the professional leagues. Like I think about like the AHL versus the NHL. AHL is chock full of people who are incredible at hockey, but people watch the NHL because they want the best of the best. Mm -hmm. But they also want the best of the best to be in a certain context that's palatable to them where they're outside of it. Because all of a sudden, if you insert yourself into a group where you don't meet the competence, you run the risk of being cast out and not receiving social reinforcement
1: for what you do or receiving social reinforcement that suggests that you're in trouble. Wow, fascinating, absolutely fascinating. Because one of the things I learned, which I, I enjoyed learning it even though it's for a sales perspective. And so feel free to go ahead and correct any of the stuff that might not be accurate because a lot of times these things are told in a <laughs> they're being sold anyways, right? Uh so feel free to correct any things on uh being actual correct information but uh when it came to like things like the brain uh, one of the things i enjoyed learning about it was that you can like, kind of look at it from a simplistic standpoint of like three different levels you have what i know you were talking about earlier kind of like your croc or mammalian brain like is that always goes yep. off of things like survival instinct so like there, there'll be times where something that you should be able to rationalize but you didn't have a moment's time to actually rationalize it so you're going to have a knee-jerk reaction which is defensive or survival in orientation you're going to react in that way. And then as time goes on, when you're you, the, the highest level of your brain, your, your neocortex and everything like that is actually able to be like, think, think, think. Oh, no, no, it's fine. They're, they're, that was just a joke. They're just being sarcastic. Yep. Oh, well, shoot. And then in between those two layers is this social acceptance. So, for example, if I'm outside and I hear a garbage can fall over, I might get spooked for a, a, just an immediate moment because the sound was loud, but I'm going to immediately go right back down to being de-stressed. The anxiety from that's going to go away because I'm like, oh, that was just Mary's garbage can. Silly old lady. I'll get that for her.
0: There is, I mean, when you're, when you're getting into that, like that is absolutely a process. Like okay. the, the, the official brain term is the amygdala. Ah, Okay, is is what uh, will fire in those moments. And what happens when your amygdala goes off is your prefrontal cortex actually goes offline. So you are not able. The prefrontal cortex, by the way, is literally what separates humans from every other animal. Like the fact that we have that, it's the part of our brain that allows us to make symbols in the world it's it's the part of it it's that what allows us to create meaning to connect abstract concepts the whole nine yards so when that goes offline we really are in a bit more of a primal state and if you don't have a diverse array of representation for what a thing can be it's going to be harder for you to engage your prefrontal cortex when you're brain kind of settles down from the amygdala firing and so when you're able when you hear that loud noise if you have never heard what it, a garbage can sounds like when it falls over you are far less likely to be able to rationalize that noise because it hasn't been (laughs) represented to you. So people become really anxious when they're exposed to things that they don't know what they are because there's uncertainty there. And as we talked about before on this podcast, when I've been on here, uncertainty equals risk equals anxiety. So Mm -hmm. that pathway is something that actually I will talk about with like couples when I work with them is or, or people maybe who have struggled with trauma in their past, where if you get into an argument with somebody and you perceive them as threatening because humans yelling at each other is inherently threatening, because right, yes. the <laughs> social reinforcement of that is like you have done something that can potentially cast you out of this social space. Well, when your amygdala fires, your prefrontal cortex goes offline. You're not connecting abstract concepts anymore. You're not seeing that person with all the nuance that they've brought to your relationship with them for the past five years you are seeing them as an object of threat and you're also your your ability to hear goes completely offline you can't synthesize auditory information in a meaningful way when you're amygdala fires wow. Interesting. So, so yeah so what will happen is people are screaming and yelling at each other and they're wanting to be heard but you biologically it is impossible for either person to synthesize the auditory information that's going into them because of the fact that they're perceiving that other person is a threat so our goal in that scenario is to get those two people separated out from each other so that their parasympathetic nervous system can re-engage, so that their prefrontal cortex can come back online, so that we can have more of a nuanced conversation about what's going on, where auditory information can be processed in a effective way. And that's why cool-off periods and timeouts and stuff like that is actually a really healthy thing, because that pathway that you're discussing is literally happening in a given moment where two people are interacting with each other and it's When So when people expect that you can have a really effective conversation, like if a person tries to remove themselves from a situation and the other one chases after them yelling, that person is not going to be able to hear you. And it's not because they don't care about you. It's not because they're being an asshole. It's because literally their brain is firing in a way that is not going to allow them to understand what's happening in that given moment in any kind of sophisticated. Unless a person has done a significant amount of practicing with like mindfulness and stuff to really be able to get in tune with their physiological sensations and know what's happening, which psychoeducation can help people do like, otherwise, no, we're, we are all slaves to our biology as much as we don't want to be. And so like to kind of connect that with like the whole topic here is in the same way that we're slaves to our own biology and our own brain chemistry, we're also slaves to sociology because that is part of our evolutionary wiring and what our brain is looking for in order to see the environment as survivable, so we're just when we look at these, you know, like these things, like in that in that talk show in Cyberpunk, or when we're talking about streaming, or you know, whatever, we're really talking about how do we get as much social reinforcement as possible, and how do we get it as visible as possible? And it it is a profound thing. It's the reasons CNN Plus is shutting down because it didn't get enough social reinforcement. The numbers aren't
1: there. i mean social reinforcement drives huge decisions that is such that is so so true literally and now with that being the fact that it drives so many decisions, do you see this eventually hitting ahead or how does this, because obviously people's input is going to matter in a sense for what they want to see, what they want to consume um, on the varying different levels of what you can consume. Mm-hmm. Where, where does this go? Do you, do you think that if we just get more educated that the, it won't be as impactful, right? There won't be as as much of a knee jerk reaction to the numbers that we're seeing. And therefore we got to, you know, like, oh yeah, 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 I agree now. Cause this person's ahead by 10,000 points compared to the other person. So they gotta be doing the right thing. How do we Uh, kind of approach this going forward if we want to be mindful of this? Is is that a thing or did I just bring up too much at once? Solve the problem for us, Dr. Mick. Solve the the whole problem for us. Oh God. You're like Dr. Who, but Dr. Mick in this timeline, you know? Well, I would say so. I will say this: I would be very
0: curious to hear what a sociologist would say about this. Oh, okay, um, but I well, but that doesn't mean that I don't have some input on this. Like, I, but I would, I would be very curious. Somebody who literally studies how systems of humans operate, I would love to know what they would say about this. For me, when I look at what's currently out there and when I think about like what I observe and what shows up in my therapy room and just in general trying to stay as connected to these types of things as I can, I have a pretty pessimistic view of <laughs> where <no> <laughs> we're gonna go with this. Because here's here's because here's what's happening. Um if you go back I mean, hell, if you go back even to, let's say, like the 90s. I mean, as early as the 90s and early 2000s, uh, when social media was not really a thing, right? Like before MySpace yeah. or anything like
1: that. MySpace, mm-hmm. wow.
0: Okay, so,
1: yeah. right? That Sorry, my keep first.
0: going. <laughs> um, so, uh, so <laughs> there, everybody, for all of time, everybody has always had, like, opinions on things, right? Like, we care yeah, about the yeah. things around us. We, we create... Certain inductive uh reasoning around things, certain deductive reasoning on others like we everybody has something to say about the things what you know no matter how educated or not about like it's fine right people have um, yeah. But back in, you know, back in the day, you didn't have the ability to see your casual, less informed. And I don't mean that from like an ignorance or like intentional ignorance space, but just like less informed opinion. You didn't have the ability to receive wider social reinforcement for that beyond your close circle. Things that were represented in things like the newspaper or on TV was curated in a certain way where like you were seeing people in certain spaces that knew what they were talking about, and that was all you got to see. You might take a column from the newspaper and go talk to your friends and coworkers and family about what that person wrote and weigh in on it, but you didn't share that platform, right? right? Right. You didn't You didn't get to write a column of your own about something you don't know anything about because why would a newspaper allow me, Ryan, Dr. Mick, to write an op-ed about plumbing? You wouldn't <laughs> because I don't know anything about it. But with the advent of social media, if I want to go on Twitter with my 4,000-some-odd followers and let's say there's some sort of like – widespread pump plumbing controversy, I can put my opinion about it out there. Yes. And if I've got 4,000 followers versus a guy who's like plumbing certified, the greatest... Pl- I don't know that that's a thing, but like the greatest <laughs> plumber that you've ever met in your life who has 10 followers on Twitter says something, all of a sudden my opinion matters. Right. On yes. Something that, and something that I don't have any expertise on. And over time, what what social media has created is a sense that my opinion is just as important as anybody else's, including people who are more informed about a thing than I am, because I share the platform with them. Because literally me writing on Twitter is the same thing as me writing an op-ed in a newspaper with fellow experts. Right. It's just it's just the 2022 version of it. Now all of a sudden, people don't know who to take seriously because you have people with huge amounts of viewers. And a ton of likes who are saying something that's maybe close enough to your personal experience that you go, yeah, I'll go with that, even though they might be spewing absolute bullshit, at which point then you have people who actually know what they're talking about getting frustrated and being like, guys, no, this is terrible. But they have no social backing. They don't have quantified social reinforcement. And people people will then even question their expertise because of the fact that they don't have the social reinforcement and representation of it. And so this is why we're starting to see, like, such a pull towards, like, all these, like, shows and stuff where it's all about, like, opinions and banter and et cetera. It's all about who do you agree with. It's not about who actually knows what they're talking about because in a lot of ways that's less appealing. So it, it's really it's really kind of scary what social media has done from a sociological perspective because it, it, it breeds this idea that all of our opinions matter at an equal level and the fact of the matter is they don't my opinion on plumbing issues i know i keep using that is- i fun fact that's when i one. was when i was in high school i had to take an aptitude test for like what could your career be and i got plumber so that's i think <laughs> I that. um okay, and good. Uh, should, by that's the way good. shout out to the plumbers because man we need them so we definitely thank you for what you do plumbers but so <laughs> like if but all of a sudden right like it, it's just it's so it's so scary how people think now that they're on a level playing field you're not you're the the person who's been plumbing for 25 years and has an amazing track record of being able to really get things done fix what fix the issues that people are having in their homes is renowned in their community for being just this really reputable plumber That's the guy or the gal or the non-binary person that I want to listen to when there's a plumbing controversy. When and I'm I, it's unbelievable to me that I even have to hesitate before I say this. But like with COVID, we saw this. Oh Mm -hmm. yeah, With, with COVID we saw this. Like there are there are literal people who have dedicated their entire lives to immunology, who were constantly being battled by people who don't know what they're talking about just because of this phenomenon that we're talking about. Like, yes. If I want to know more about my cancer diagnosis, I'm talking to an oncologist. Not my librarian neighbor.
1: Right. But But she means the best.
0: Yeah. I mean, you might mean, well, that's fine. You might have had cancer yourself or known somebody who had cancer. It's not, I'm not discounting people who lack expertise if they have a certain lived experience. But when we start getting into big topics and big decisions and sweeping sociological policy, I want people who have dedicated their lives to knowing a thing to be the ones who are weighing in and holding the torch for these things. And social media has muddied the waters so much that people in positions of power can nefariously get people to start questioning everything. They can essentially use that against people, right? It's like, because the converse of this is, well, if this person over here who doesn't know anything about this is spewing bullshit, what's to say that this person over here with very little following, who's supposedly an expert, isn't also spewing bullshit? Yep. Yep, And then that gets people to start questioning expertise. And then you get this whole push of anti-intellectualism because God forbid, I don't know anything about plumbing and can't weigh in on a plumbing controversy because, because of how ubiquitous social media is, if I don't have an opinion on it, maybe people aren't going to care about me. Maybe people are going to go elsewhere. There have been plenty of things that have happened, and I'm sure you guys have both experienced this because you both stream. Mm -hmm. There are things that happen in pop culture or in like just kind of generally in the media, these big giant things, and people will come in and they'll want us to to weigh in on it. Right. And there's a real social pull to want to weigh in on these things because that's what people are asking for your opinion by virtue of being something somebody who holds a platform and has a viewership all of a sudden people want to hear from you and people get frustrated when you say i don't know anything about that so i'm not going to weigh in on it like that's not sexy in the current environment that we live in when in reality the majority of people on most issues should shut up and (laughs) And like, and keep it to their inner circles, or at least acknowledge that, like, it's an uninformed opinion on something, but people don't do that. And it all roads lead back to this quantified social reinforcement where people start getting pulled in directions they would never otherwise imagine getting pulled in because there is so much reward socially for doing some of these things that are actually counterintuitive to progress
1: amazing i mean i figured with as many hours that i have in super mario brothers and how many pipes i've gone down i've gone up you know that by now I, i'm pretty sure i have a really good idea at least in the mushroom kingdom uh how pipes and plumbing work no plumbing in italy is your forte okay let's do this thing i am down he's gonna give you a roto-rooter and then (laughs) set you set you on a bathtub there you go let's let's do this
0: yeah well let me get let me give you guys uh i want to give you guys a little bit of a uh food for thought thing because i yeah let's hear it because i've I've said a lot of very complex things but i i want to make this maybe a little bit more tangible So you probably know more about... I mean, take your game of choice. You know more about Chippendale or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, probably more than like anybody else. Fair enough. enough. You probably know more about like Luigi's Mansion than anybody else. So I want you guys to imagine that there is somebody who comes along who has a massive following. Okay. We're talking like, you know, maybe somebody who's got 10,000 concurrent viewers has... 70,000 followers on Twitter is has got this big presence. And they come in and they start speed running Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 and Luigi's Mansion. And they start giving out horrible information about those two games. They start saying all the wrong pathways to take. They start, I mean, you name it, right? Like anything, think yeah. of the worst okay. things, that, okay? So- you two, relative to this person, this hypothetical person that I'm describing, which by the way is a hypothetical person, I'm not. Yeah, oh,
1: they, they're terrible. Point. I hate them already. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay,
0: so this this hypothetical person is now out there. They're in your space. They are doing the speed running. Let's call it like unethically or problematically. Yeah. Okay. They're yeah. Spewing terrible information, and they're getting a huge following around them. You are now presented with a pretty difficult choice, right? Do you know? Do you know where I'm going with this in terms of what choice you have?
1: I'm hoping I'm knowing what this but I, I I keep 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 going. Keep keep leading me with some breadcrumbs. Your, your I, I don't choice, mind. Your
0: choice your choice is do I speak out against this person or do I
1: let it go? <laughs> Why do you put me there? You know what I wanna do. <laughs> yes. I'm a chatty Kathy. Whoa. OK, so so
0: if you guys think about yourselves in that position, like what goes on for you when you think about being in that spot?
1: Uh, yeah, definitely. Well, for me, when you're talking about those two different uh, aspects, is that I know I definitely lean towards the, the speaking up uh, sometimes, regardless of my personal well-being, because when you are not the person that is the more popular in that scenario. Wow people do some really, really mean and evil stuff to you. And they don't even know you, but they will question every fiber of your existence, your family's existence. And uh, it's definitely, I can understand why people's, would lean into the you know I'm just going to let this happen even though I disagree with it.
0: Yeah, very <laughs> real phenomenon. I mean it's funny to li- cuz I can I can I can picture the two of you like physically cringing as I'm saying this. Oh, I know, am my, my amygdala like, has taken the over. on the back of your heads. Yeah, the, uh, the hot box is steaming right now. <laughs> yeah, like literally funny. like I
1: have got a fan on but no folks, it's it's I'm sweating profusely now.
0: Okay, so this is a real phenomenon that affects a lot of people. And again, I am not trying to paint a picture that all people who are popular and successful are saying the wrong things. Right. Right. That's fair. Yes. But in this scenario, right, this does happen. And this happens in some very important spaces. And what you guys just described, right, the fact that you even have to hesitate at the idea of confronting that and saying something about it speaks to the power of the fact that because that person has a bigger group around them that has followed them into the, into battle, Mm -hmm. you now have to weigh, do I want to say and do the right thing at the risk of social ruin? And now we, this is how we get into sort of passive enabling of very problematic things because Not that you're an active participant in the problematic things that are happening, because I completely understand why people don't stand up to these. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You could be pulverized. Yeah. Even if you even if you know that every piece of information that you have is ideal, if you know that you're doing it as responsibly and ethically And like properly and as well thought out as you possibly can, you've put your heart and soul into this and you know that to be true every night you put your head down on the pillow. There's a good chance you may not say something because you have to weigh that against being utterly destroyed by this other group. Yes, And Mm -hmm. that is really the power of quantity when we look at these things. Because now if we take a random group of people who have not been exposed to the Luigi's Mansion speed running community, right? and i Mm -hmm. plop them down and i describe to them a little bit of like i don't give them any context for what's going on and they watch a conversation between hypothetical douchebag and flibbity flam they are inherently going to be oriented toward hypothetical person because flib doesn't have the same amount of social reinforcement even though we know what he's saying is correct. And so now that person in the bigger group has absorbed more viewers because of the assumption that because ten, because 20,000 people are sitting on that person's stream while they're talking about this and 400 are sitting over at Flib, that other person must know what they're talking about. Flib must be the outlier. There's a reason <laughs> Flib doesn't have yeah. the quantification that he has. That's just and terrifying. And so now this is... Right. It's like this. It's like it's like when you watch a a drizzle of water drip down the side of a house that's got like water beads on it and you see it just absorb all the water beads as it goes down and it gets bigger and bigger. That's essentially how these things happen.
1: My gosh. Power wash simulator has changed you. You're it so- has.
0: I, God, I my whole world I is seen my- in terms of power washing. <laughs> <laughs> just water i live in the desert and it's still just
1: water all the time Just water more i need more water you gotta fantasize you know, about what you metaphor don't have
0: i can think of i'm throwing it into dinosaurs. no
1: it's so good because i i picture that because there's so many times where for whatever reason you know you're killing time or you you're just zoning out and you see it and you're like oh oh Oh, wow, they all merged. Dang. Beautiful. But also in some of this instance, it would be the exact opposite of beautiful because obviously they're merging with the the terrifying side of things where it's almost this um, sheep-like army. Oh, well, they're already doing it, so might as well, which makes me think uh, of—I can't remember what the the proper terminology, so feel free to um, correct me on this. But when— like this a social conditioning type of situation where let's say you're waiting in a doctor's office a sound goes off well everybody stands up but you're the person that just came in there and you're the only person that doesn't know that everyone's in on it and so you're like you'll okay well, until so you eventually those people start to stand up because like well everyone else is doing it so I must yep. I must have to and it's always interesting to see that it's you know majority fall into that while you're gonna have more outliers that don't do that dude
0: it's it's wild there have been I mean, there are, oh, there's so many angles on this. Okay. So like, I I mean, dude, this, this stuff's my bread and butter. I love talking about this stuff. Like it it is because what's amazing is if you interviewed that person before they go into that doctor's office, the majority of people will tell you that they are a strong, independent person that thinks for themselves and you then put them in that room, they will stand.
1: Yeah, Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, seriously, like the 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 higher the quantity of a social force in a given context, the more likely a person is to override their autonomy and go with the group. People do really dumb things in groups because of this. Yes. Yes. I I mean, they do. That's like men in black has that amazing quote about like, you know, a person is smart. People are like dumb, risky and uh, unpredictable and you know it like that th- th- it's such a profound quote <laughs> so good. I, I know I know I butchered it a little bit but like it, it's a great quote because like the, I mean if you go back to uh, the milgram experiment which I is one of the is, a, is an experiment that has always fascinated me is you also have to take power into account. Because you can actually get a person to do things that are past what I, what they ever thought their boundaries are because of their perception of authority in a room. So now when we have like a person who has a certain title or certain clout in a given context, when there's uncertainty around that context, when a person who appears to be confident and, is a, and charismatic and is in a position of power tells you to do something, you are likely to follow that person's directive rather than challenge it because of the perceived power that that person has in that given context. Right. And to the detriment of other humans. Like
1: charismatic cult leaders as an example, right? Uh,
0: Yes. Charismatic cult leaders. uh, I mean, the Milgram experiments were used to explain to some extent why people in the Nazi party followed orders that were utterly horrific, right? Like I don't think any of us would ever say that you would turn on the gas in a gas chamber at Auschwitz. (laughs) Right, Right. Yet there were a bunch of people that did it. Right. And so they're like, how could people do this? Are, 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 are the people of the Nazi party inherently evil? And the, I mean, it, we learn to an extent like you can still hold people accountable for their behavior. Don't get me wrong. Every single one of those people that that did that should be punished for that decision. But one of the things we learned from experiments like that and from these observations is that people will go beyond their boundaries and autonomy when they perceive people in positions of power or a high quantity of people in a given environment doing a certain thing. Uh, and one of my favorite examples of this when you guys were in um, when you guys were in like high school or you know if you ever lived in an apartment complex, like you you remember fire drills? Oh, oh yeah, yes. baby. That's actually what I first thought of right there was a fire drill. So fire drills are fascinating because there is a certain threshold of quantity of fire drills that actually puts people more in danger because you when i hear a fire alarm the first thing i think is oh it's probably a drill right yeah yes. right yes. Yes. people won't move exactly. and i remember i remember this like uh, we oh man when when my wife and i were still in chicago uh when we both moved back to chicago we we lived in separate apartments for uh the first year and i remember one night we were at my wife's apartment and the fire alarm went off at like 1 a.m and we we woke up and this was at a time when i still wasn't staying up as late as i do now and so we <laughs> we woke up and my first question i said i said to her I go well it's probably a drill and she was like do you think so and i was like i don't know and then the first thing we did was look to see if other people were leaving their rooms to go downstairs and go outside and by the way this was in like the cold of a december in <laughs> chicago so it right. was like super cold right so i'm weighing do i want to die in a fire versus do i want to be cold And I, and we literally stayed in bed and waited to see what happened. And we didn't start leaving our apartment until we heard sirens in the distance. Ooh. Okay. And it turned out that somebody had like a kitchen fire. It wasn't that big of a deal, but. Thank goodness. Right. But think about that, right? Yeah. That's, that's profound. Because nobody was acting on it because of the way that fire drills had been represented to us. We made a decision that was absolutely against our sensibilities. Whereas if we didn't have, if I didn't have the template of generally when a fire alarm goes off, it's a false alarm. I hear that fire alarm, I'm putting my coat on and I'm grabbing my most prized possession in my wife's apartment and I'm getting the hell out of there. Yeah. So it, it is amazing what people will do or not do because of what they see other people doing. I'll give one more example. I forget the name of this effect. I think it might be called the bystander effect, where there was a there was this and it actually came from a specific thing that actually happened, but it's this idea that If a person is under duress and is in trouble, people will often assume that somebody else is taking care of it and will not step in. And the problem with that is if everybody assumes that somebody else is stepping in and thus doesn't step in, nobody steps in.
1: Yeah, it makes me think of a Seinfeld episode where... A cannonball happened from Newman. Newman gets knock knocks out the guy that's in the water. Now both of them are looking at each other like, "Well, you got to give him CPR." Well, no, you're gonna give him CPR. Well, somebody's gonna help him, right? And then nobody does. And then yeah, yeah, correct. Right? If you see if you see somebody laying in a, I think it
0: had the the case that it came from was like some. I think it was a a woman had been like mugged and. And like beaten in an alley or something like that, and was like laying in the alley and was uh, like knocked out. And nobody in the neighborhood called the ambulance because, and she ended up, I think, dying because everybody thought that somebody else was going to call the ambulance. Wow. And so, again, this all comes back to this idea that whether we want to or not, we are always paying attention to the way things are socially reinforced because we are innately social beings. And we, be- we all like to believe that our sense of autonomy is powerful enough that we're not going to be part of that, that we're the exception to the rule. And psychology and sociology dictates that people are so rarely the exception to the rule
1: that you really can't believe people when they say that. Wow. That's <laughs> profound once again. Very just like much. you said it was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> the
0: oh, world my is goodness. just
1: rocked. <laughs> I, mean, I, I think it's really important, though. I'm so glad that you've taken all these different examples and have been able to connect them to where it's appropriate or where, you know, you, this does make sense in this type of manner or this type of context. And hopefully people are able to actually now utilize that for themselves because they feel maybe a little bit more educated on this kind of topic.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it's, I, I, th- I, what I wish would happen with a lot of this psychological stuff is that people would open themselves up to the idea. I don't. I'm trying not to make an overgeneralization here, but it's hard not to, given okay. how these things tend to go. But like, I don't trust people who say things like, "That won't happen to me." Ooh. Like, I I I trust people who understand that they are subject to some of the processes that we're talking about. I don't trust a I don't trust a person who says to me if I saw somebody laying in an alley I would not in any way shape or form hesitate to call an ambulance. Uh maybe that's true. Right. But you also that is missing the fact that you are subject to the bystander effect. You are subject. I really hope I'm using bystander uh, terminology correctly. I really think that's what it is, but it might be something else. But anyway, like you, you are subject to that effect. You are, you are subject to having your behavioral choices changed based on what everybody else in a given context is doing. You, those are, these social forces are powerful. As a streamer, you are subject to the allure of doing something you don't want to do because a lot of people in your community are asking for it. You are subject to maybe doing something that is uh, potentially against the law or breaks your own values because there is a social push and other people seem to be fine and confident doing it. Like I wish that people would be more willing to accept the fact that they may not be quite as autonomous as they think because ironically if you can accept that these influences or that these dynamics have influence on you you actually have more power to be autonomous within them if i know that when i walk into a doctor's office and see all 20 people in that doctor's office waiting room stand up at the at a sound if I know that I am likely to stand up because of that social pressure to do so, even though it's not explicitly directed toward me, I can make a more informed decision of whether I actually want to stand up there, or if I want to evaluate it as being just a sense of social pressure to do it. When you don't think you're, when you don't think that these are things you're subject to, you start to live a socio- sociological life of ignorance, and I'm not a huge fan of that. Wow, like, you are you are inherently more likely to view a person with more views on Twitch as having more to offer than somebody with a small amount of views. That is just an inherent bias that you're going to have. Does that mean that that bias is wrong? No, but it does mean that you can be a little bit more critical about who you are watching or viewing or spending your time with or Mm -hmm. how you are taking in some of the information that that person is providing to you. That kind of critical approach to how you view your life and your decisions and your relationships, I think is what leads to a lot more fulfilling existence, despite the fact that it can be tiring to do that. I would argue that it is worth it.
1: Gosh, just like this conversation tonight, super worth it. Uh, that was that was, was some fun. really I like good talking about this stuff. This is some really good stuff. and if our listeners who maybe have this might be their first time listening to you and they want to have a social impact of yours, can, can you tell us how they can find you?
0: Oh, absolutely because things have changed a little bit since last time I was on
1: the podcast. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's, that's information out there
0: after six months of live streaming on YouTube, I did make the decision to move back to moving to doing all of my live streams on Twitch. So, And my name is now different on Twitch. I am now Dr. Mick. I was able to drop the live. Whole long story behind that, but I was able to finally drop that. So I am now just Dr. Mick. But if you want to catch live streams, I do... uh, I don't like to call it variety because I think that uh, there are people that legitimately do variety. But I do essentially one of three different types of streams. I have my Let's Play content where I play through certain like role-playing games and i will use those games to illustrate various psychological concepts i've played games like red dead redemption 2 cyberpunk 2077 i'm currently going through psychonauts 2 uh the last of us all these types of games where there are relationships and i will use those to illustrate certain things and help people maybe better understand their psychology by viewing my interpretation of the video game characters and relationships i also do like just chatting type content where like, I'll have a game that I'm playing in the background, but I'm focusing more on chat and answering questions and interacting. And then I have specifically mental health focused content. The most recent uh, example of that is that Jared, Slash Jared on air has joined me for what we've called relationship Q and A's, where my community will queue up a bunch of questions about relationships or a certain topic, and then Jared will moderate a conversation with me, where I will answer those questions in a more controlled format. I also do mental health topic lectures and talk about, you know, all sorts of things that are designed for people who have no prior knowledge of psychology to be able to understand. And this includes things like how to find a therapist, what to expect in your first therapy session, certain theories of change, all sorts of good stuff. So those are live streamed on Twitch. And then the VODs can be found on YouTube. And that's youtube.com slash Dr. Mick. You can go there. I am proud to announce that I recently crossed 10,000 subscribers, which is really cool. So thank you all for that. 10% of the way to that beautiful plaque. And then I do all sorts of little tidbit stuff I think of it as like the, if you want a window shop for the (laughs) store, I highly encourage you to check out my TikTok. It's tiktok.com slash at drmictalk. That is where you will find all of these cool illustrations and little bite-sized pieces. I also... Um, and again, I'm gonna brag for a second, crossed a hundred thousand followers on that recently, and we're almost at three million likes, which is really cool. Speaking of quantified social reinforcement. Mm-hmm. So TikTok's a really good hub. Also twitter.com slash dr mclive at dr mclive and Instagram at dr mclive. So I'm on just about every platform that there is trying to diversify as much content as I can get out to people and I would love to see you in chat on Twitch or I'd love to see you in the comments on YouTube or on TikTok or whatnot. So my goal is always to bring information, good, ethical, responsible, well, to bring mental health information to people who wouldn't otherwise have it in a responsible and ethical way, emphasis on the responsible and ethical
1: way. So that's where you can find me if you want to find me. That's amazing. Gosh, thank you so much again for joining us for the fourth time ever, Dr. Mick. You, the the numbers must
0: be nice on these if you guys keep inviting me back. No, I, yeah, I'm,
1: I, no, I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm quantifying
0: I, uh, everything. We're quantifying, uh, everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got me in that mindset, man. No, I really, I am, I, as I've said before on, on probably every single one of these, I appreciate the two of you very much. I think that this podcast is awesome. I hope that it continues to grow and that you got lots of people listening to it. it. I am honored that you continue to invite me back. I do not take it for granted, and it is always a pleasure to talk to the two of you and to do these.
1: Likewise. And with that being said, thank you so much, Dreamers, for tuning on in. Flamley, love you as always. And buh-bye!